you know, the energy, if you want to call it, sometimes it starts in their hand, their arm stiffens, and their whole body just yanks on that weight. And it's kind of a hope and a prayer that that transfers to their lap. Yeah. Whereas if you fully extend, you're at a lengthened position. And from that position, your lap moves the shoulder, your shoulder moves the humerus, and everything follows. So if you're not training like that, it's unlikely that you're targeting the lats and hitting them as hard as they could be. Hey, what's going on, guys? On this episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear, we're going to do a deep dive into improving your training technique. Training is what gives us the trigger to grow muscle. So our nutrition, the gear, supplementation, all that stuff depends on the quality of our workout. And my goal with this episode is to help you be a little bit more mindful about your next workout so you might be able to get a little bit more out of it. And I don't care how advanced you are, we can all always improve. So enjoy this episode. Of course, enjoy your next workout. I'll be interested to know if our conversation influences you to have a better session in the gym. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill, Andrew Berry. I'm Scott McNally, and we are joined today by Big Dave Smith. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings on high-quality third-party tested supplements that hardcore bodybuilders have trusted for over 15 years. All these guys, as a matter of fact, uh, know the beauty and the magic of True Nutrition. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca. That's for our Canadian people. You can get good deals, blowout deals, really, on top name supplements. Guys, we're going to talk some training today. I'm freaking pumped about this. Uh, oh, like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. If you're new to our YouTube channel, we've got tons of content coming out each week. We'd love to have you along for all of it. Uh, how do we start this thing out? We got to introduce Dave to the people. I think like my first thing I would want to say is we could go back to the art. I first learned about big Dave Smith from RX muscle, the bros versus pros. Did you guys watch those like back in the day? Oh, oh yeah. Man, that's like the blast, four yeah. or five deadlifts for 30 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> what, what was, what were those what were the weights you guys were using on those? The, the squat one was 405 for reps. Uh, we did deadlift 405 for reps. Um, I did that one twice. So that was a lot of fun. I think I squatted 24. Um, and I remember Dante had watched it, and he had done his own research on, like, who had the squat depth. Because that, that's the thing. It was arguable who was squatting shallow, who was squatting high. Yeah. And he said – uh, Brad Rowe, Cade Vu, and I were the deepest squatters of the day. He figured, based on that, I got third if he was if he was the judge. <laughs> he wound up sending me a check for like a third of the prize money. You're kidding. That's amazing. <laughs> I remember those. So if, if anybody hadn't been around for those videos, that was really cool. Like back in the day, uh, Palumbo had set up that was like a challenge where they would have a pro bodybuilder. And then your average bros, quote unquote, could come in to challenge them for a lift. And it was never like, you know, a max effort bench press. It was like, you know, 405 on squats for as many reps as you could. And I remember seeing you on there. That was the first time I saw you. And I was like, dude, this guy is freaking huge. And he's strong. Like you have. And then I didn't know at the time, like, but there's a lot more to it. I mean, I've discovered since, you know, that you had. You've learned a lot from Dante. You are a strong dude, but at the same time, you're also just as much into jujitsu. So you also have agility. I feel like we can't leave that part out. Yeah, the uh, if you guys know who Juju Mufu is. 
Yes. Yeah. That guy's cool. He came to uh, our jiu-jitsu school because one of his best friends is uh, Joey Zatnery. Okay. Joey's like a, another YouTube guy, strong man, just overall talented at kind of whatever he touches. And uh, Juji came in, and the title of the, the link is Black Belt versus Bodybuilder. And I, I think it kind of threw him off because who was who? Yeah. He, we did like a forearm comparison and I kind of outshined him a little bit. And he's like, and he's a black belt. It's fucking scary. <laughs> but we had a good time. I remember, I remember the first time I met you, Dave, uh, in person, we were in uh, John Meadows hotel room. I think Phil was coaching you then. Yeah. And, yep. uh, I think one of you guys opened the door and I was like, holy shit, Dave's as thick as he looks in all his videos online. <laughs> That's cool. So, you know, I, I, I think the way I really would like to start this whole training conversation out is, um, you know, a couple, couple years ago, I had made the decision in my life. I was like, you know what? I've never been a strong presser. And, you know, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. And if I'm going to get strong at this, and if I'm basically, I said to myself, I want to grow as much as I can. And uh, if that's going to happen, I need to get as strong as possible. And so I started getting stronger on the bench press. And I put up the the 110s on dumbbell incline press. And I was like, it was like all I had in me, guys. Like literally every last bit of effort. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I posted it. And I'm like, guys, look what I did. I'm so proud of this. This is like the best, you know, perfect bench press. Look what I, I nailed it. And Dave commented and he was like, Hey, that looks really good, man. You, uh, you like working on your lockout there, you know, just hitting that top part of the rep. <laughs> I was like this motherfucker. I was honestly, I was pissed honestly for like a week. It was my ego. You know, I, I was pissed. And then I, but I thought about it and I was like, you know what? He's right. That I'm not going and I'll find that video. I'll, I'll put it in here. It wasn't terrible. But I, I wasn't I wasn't going deep enough. I don't know, man. I figured I and I'll tell you what, I started talking to Dave after that and I've learned so much from you, man. Like it literally our conversations about that movement changed my whole perspective on that on, on really a, a lot of things with exercise. And so I kind of would love to share some of that stuff today. Can we start out like tell me what was I doing wrong with that exercise, if you remember that? You're doing what most people do in the gym. Uh, you had a lot of enthusiasm and you wanted to lift heavier. You must have equated that to larger muscles, but you weren't actually training tissue. Hmm. There was no thought as to how the tissue was responsible for moving that weight. So if you're doing a chest exercise, regardless of whether it's a, a free weight machine, press or fly, is the chest pushing the weight up or is it other stuff? You know, are you using momentum, rebounding, stretch reflex, that kind of thing? And at the end of the day, that's what matters the most. So strength is only relative to the range of motion and the technique that you use, not just moving weight through space. And I think a lot of people get that confused. I mean, you see people, as they get heavier, their technique slides. Yeah. Um, and... The, the best case scenario is if you look at somebody's warm-up reps versus their all-out max, whatever it is for the most you know weight for reps they can get, the technique should be very similar. You know, if you were to just set the camera and watch them add the plates on, the only thing that could change should change in the video is the number of plates on the bar, hmm. not how they do it. So, yeah. 
So what specifically did you see Scott doing that made you notice that? Was he just not going deep enough? Was he using too much stretch, uh, shortening cycle, rebound, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, not deep enough, too quick, um, real shaky. There was no control. You're only as strong as the weight you can control. Hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of uh, lowering the neg- or slowing the negatives down, getting a good control of the eccentric, and then uh, I don't like momentum. Yeah, at the bottom of a press, uh, at the bottom of a squat, any time that you're you're shifting weight in and out of a joint like that, e- even if you're you're getting some kind of feel in the muscle that you're training, you're still going to tear your joints apart. I mean, your joints act as shock absorbers, and it, it's yeah, not just the fact that you're losing out on the the tissue growth possibility, but y- your injury risk is so high that it just it skews me out because I've had so many messed up injuries that have happened for various reasons. And it's the one thing I've learned over time is when I was DC training, I was lifting weights. And as I got older, I had a friend who kind of foreshadowed this when I was younger and he, he, he put it in my brain early and I didn't believe him. And he kept saying, I see what you're doing. You're very strong, but you're still not training the tissue. And I didn't buy into it Hmm. until I got closer to my late twenties, early thirties. And then something clicked. And I understood completely what he was talking about. So I think that's a big thing is separating the difference between lifting weights and training tissue. And they can be the same thing. You can get wicked strong using good technique, but people want it now. People want it uh, fast. And it's easier to put weight in the bar to pad your ego than it is to think, am I building a physique? Do I care? You know, telling people that I can put 100-pound dumbbells up or can I use sixties or seventies and get a big chest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and I think it's hard for people to understand that because just like yourself, and I can you know I take myself back to the to the days when we had stone weights and we had to move the car with our feet to get to the gym. But it, you had that mentality. It, you didn't know because there wasn't that experience. You just it's moving a weight from point A to point B and the heavier it is and your progression, then, okay, I'm getting stronger and bigger. There isn't this very in-depth understanding because there's not a lot of years. There's not knowing the difference. So you make a good point in the sense that it takes time. You didn't understand it at first. It takes time to get to the point where, oh shit, that set felt different. And I think what happens with people who just start is they get into that mindset of, like you say, with the numbers and we want to build the strength and it's an ego thing and everything else. But then we start to figure, gosh, not all of our workouts are good. Not all of our workouts feel the same. The pump is different. Sometimes it doesn't feel even. It's left to right, that sort of shit. And then as you build that experience, you get into what I call them green room sets. I don't know where. I think it's from um, – a surf, a surf analogy, yeah. exactly. Where you're just, you've got the, per, you're riding literally the perfect wave. It's in slow motion, and you just think, oh shit, like this is where I want to be all the time. And once you get that experience, that's where you get, that's where you get to all the time, or at least the large majority of the time. And that's that, that's that feel. So, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm trying to give it a different, not a different, but a, but a little bit clearer explanation for people who may not get it when you say not that you need to train the tissue or you're not using tissue it's almost as if you're you're training for the movement of moving the 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 weight from point a to point b and i tell my clients all the time and i don't know if you back this up or not but it sounds like we're on the same page you use the weight more than you actually lift the weight correct you're 
There you go. There you go. So even if you think about it, um, think about a, a pull of any kind, a row or a pull down. You have one arm, you begin the pull, right? Some people grip it and rip it. You know, the energy, if you want to call it, sometimes it starts in their hand, their arm stiffens, and their whole body just yanks on that weight. And it's kind of a hope and a prayer that that transfers to their lap. Yeah. Whereas if you fully extend, you're at a lengthened position, and from that position, your lat moves the shoulder, your shoulder moves the humerus, and everything follows. So if you're not training like that, it's unlikely that you're targeting the lats and hitting them as hard as they could be. You know, with your chest, it's the same where when you lower that bar as deep as you can get it, is your chest moving your shoulder? Is your shoulder moving your triceps? Does it travel upwards energy-wise? And if it doesn't, if you're just bracing yourself for the impact and then flying everything back up, you're not going to hit that tissue as well as if you actually use your chest to begin the movement. That's been so, the big thing that I've really picked up that I translated into all my lifts, Dave, is, you know, you you had suggested that I brought the, the, the weight down further to the point where it was just the chest that was contracting, just the chest that was engaged first. And then I look at it and I, I translated that to, to just like you said, the, the, the pull down. And I asked myself, like, you know, I, I trained back for obviously decades now and it hadn't grown the way I wanted it to. And why is that? And I realized I can get so much more out of it now if I, from that stretched position, I engage that lat first. I can't, I can't help but have bicep activation, rear delt, all that stuff is going to kick sure. in. But if I can make sure that that lat is activated first, then I know I'm going to get like the most out of that muscle that I can, you know? For sure. That, that actually happened to me when I was, what I kind of quit bodybuilding twice uh, to go to jujitsu for a while. And while I was doing jujitsu, I was training three days a week and I ditched all the normal stuff, almost like the way John Meadows talks about finding exercises that work for him. Um, I just started to do stuff that I could feel in my lats. And for like a year and a half, I ditched barbell rows. I ditched all the common stuff. I hate T-bar rows. To this day, I won't do a T-bar row. A lot of people um, hate that, that movement. I did just what I could feel. And I posted a few pictures, and I was getting ready for a jiu-jitsu tournament. One of my friends who was a judge said, hey, what show are you getting ready for? I said, I'm not. I'm getting ready for the Nogi Pan Ams. And they're like, well, you look <laughs> like you're seven or eight weeks out, and your back's grown. <laughs> and it was the first time it actually had back development because the 365 pound barbell rows that I was doing at 24 weren't actually hitting my lats. It was all heave ho momentum and it looked cool in a video, but I had no lats to show for it. And now training back the way I do, my, my back is one of my stronger poses. Huh. My lats and my back double bicep, I can, I'm actually proud of them now. And before it was like, ah, shit. Hope they don't keep us facing the curtain too long. <laughs> I think I speak for a lot of the listeners, though, when I say right now that most of us hate you for growing while you're not focused on bodybuilding. And, <laughs> and the listeners are like, I'm doing, I'm trying to do everything right, and I still can't grow. Oh, fuck, this guy's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. Looking at it a little differently um, at that same time frame, do you think pulling it back to three days of training was beneficial for you versus the volume you were doing before, mm -hmm. the frequency, I should say? I think so, recovery-wise, and also I had to make those sessions count. So yeah. there was no time wasted. And even now, I mean, I train four days a week. That's it. That's all I have time for. The other three days I'm on the mat, and 
it just there's not enough time in the day to do everything I want to do. And I have phenomenal gains. I mean, some of my lifts are the strongest they've ever been. And ideally, I'd like to get back on stage this year if I can make the time to, to eat the meals and go through the lifestyle. But I don't feel like much has changed other than I'm just not uh, up to the bodybuilding industry lifestyle stuff anymore. But my life is the same. So I'm still I'm, I'm like 270 right now. No kidding. So, and you were a DC guy from from way back, right? Yeah, no longer. I mean, I learned a lot from doing that style, but I think the one thing that that did was it showed me that I was too much of a lifter back then. Okay, and I had to to transform into someone with better understanding as to how things work. You know, you're mm-hmm. I was young. Every nobody in their early twenties is going to know a whole hell of a lot. And it takes that trial and error, mistakes, wicked injuries. Uh, I think getting injured, it was fortunate and unfortunate to teach me a lot of things. Hmm. And weird things about jujitsu also let me recognize like proper positioning for bodybuilding isn't much different. Um, Things we do in jujitsu to put you in good positions and bad positions, or I should say to put ourselves in good positions and the opponent in bad positions, it's based on proper and improper biomechanics. And when you apply that to lifting, it's amazing how things just kind of snap in and make sense. Hmm. So can I pull this back around real quick? I don't want to get sidetracked, but, you know, there's a guy on the podcast that is incredibly handsome, slightly older than everybody else, a little bit darker. But (laughs) outside of that, who has continued to say over the long haul, not necessarily say that overload doesn't matter. But I want to tie this in because this is more of what I mean by I always look at progressive overload as it's very black and white to me. It may not be to everybody else, but just piling on more and more weight, more and more weight you grow when there's more weight on the bar. And coming back to what Dave is saying, this is his point about training is what I'm talking about when I say that progressive overload isn't the last word. Doesn't mean that it doesn't matter, doesn't mean that it doesn't count. We always want to progress when we can. But if you can take, uh, you know, dumbbell presses at 110 pounds and you make them cleaner and you make the move, the mechanics are locked in and they're for the for the sake of a word saying flawless versus just moving the weight. That is night and day. The weight would stay the same. Your reps may stay the same and you're going to get potentially two, three, four times out of that movement by not increasing, not focusing 100% on just progressive over, just getting to the 120s, just getting to the 130s. That's, that's, that's my tie-in. Sometimes more isn't better. Better is better. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. I mean, well I've used very similar weights for a long time, but I'm better at using them now. Right. Yeah. And there are certain days where if, you, if your CNS is fried, if your recovery is in the tank, you're not going to feel it as well. And those are the days that you can't push. So I think that was part of my old mentality too, was a hundred percent all the time until I have that one to two week, you know, DC cruise period. And I think it beat me up a little bit. Uh, that's when my body started to fall apart. Uh, tendons started to bother me a lot more. I don't have tendonitis anymore. I don't have back problems anymore. And it's because I know when to go hard. When I walk in, something doesn't feel right. I take extra time on my warm-ups. My warm-ups are like a third of my workout. You know, yeah. the whole point of the warm-up isn't just to get warm. It's to to really see how how concentrated I can get into the tissue that I'm training. If it's if it's a shoulder day, 
you know, can I really connect to my shoulders? And if something's missing and I'm a half an hour into it, I kind of know that I'm not going to be, you know, pushing the boundaries. And the other days I walk in and I'm like, wow, this feels clean. This feels strong. I'm in complete control. Let's, let's see how I can hang. And I still log everything. I think I have all my workouts logged for the last three or four years uh, in the same two notebooks. So it's always data and the data isn't just numbers of, of, weights and reps and sets it's notes about how i felt little mm. things about technique and and form it's all that matters so much it's all your data so progressive overload it, it really points to the whole picture not just numbers on a piece of paper yeah i agree and you saw me too dave with that dumbbell press man that i didn't like I, you know i think that first video 110 pound dumbbells and then i had to you know, back it down to to use good technique. But over like the next, I'd say 14 months, I mean, the highest I got was the 125s. And for the most part, it, I was hovering around like the 115s. And I, I still feel though that I was progressing because I, I, I really got into shooting video on my lifts then, uh, whatever my that top set was. And I was really trying to critique it and judge it hard and skip i i would agree with you totally man that i learned in that phase that progression wasn't just putting more weight on the bar it was did i really was i really honest with myself on all of those reps could i have slowed that down a little bit like right. dave said in the beginning was my form as good as my form was when i when i did my warm-ups you know or was i giving myself a little bit of a bounce on that last couple of reps or you know something like that and Man, I but I would tell you it's it's not something that that's concrete that I can say in numbers where I did another rep or I added five pounds, but I progressed through that whole phase, and you know what? As a result, I got bigger too. Well, you make a good point about the video, and I think a lot of people listening, especially when they're newer to training, and it's a good idea, but they focus on the video. Well, I want to check the mechanics and everything else, which is a great idea, but even then. The mechanics can look from a visual standpoint, they can look rock solid, but they can also not feel very good. I mean, I've come out of a set where I thought that I can clearly feel one lat engage more than the other, say on a press. And you can't, you're not going to see those subtleties. So as important as it is, and I agree with you, there is that extra added component of the feel. And, And these are things that we're explaining that some people listening and watching right now may not understand but even in a couple years or further down the road, they're gonna be like oh my god i i remember dave talking about that i this is what he's talking about yeah. this is what they were talking about that's where the experience and really tying into your you know physique to the point where like dave was saying there will be days where you come in it, it, people are gonna find this hard to believe maybe you guys do the same thing maybe not but i will literally walk into a gym and i'm <clears throat> i haven't thought about my workout i don't do this whole uh because i don't believe in it the whole uh mind you know prepare yourself and see yourself and all that sort of shit when it comes to training but i will walk in based on my experience the years i've been doing it and i can literally 99.9 percent of the time know the movements before i ever pick up a weight of what will feel good that day and i'm rarely wrong but that's from decades of training now Maybe I'm maybe that's not true. And I just have myself convinced that that's true. But it happens all that I can literally know. Uh, yeah, if I do that movement today, just it's not gonna it's not gonna feel right. It's not gonna be right. 
that's a very that's something that you just can't you, you get what i'm saying then you say that's the experience and that's the time under the belt and coming back to what you said and i i just love it because now we're down to two listeners and it's not because of me it's because of you dave which it's usually me but when you say you know you're you're in your young 20s your early 20s what can you really know that's my thing it's not that they don't know anything but if you're if you can't pretend to understand what is still ahead of you when you don't have the experience of all this time of reading yourself and the feedback and how things feel and, and you know, itis issues and shit like that. It's just, uh, thank you for saying it. I'll stop there. Well, that's what I'm hoping people can get from this show is maybe to fast forward that a little bit, know the things to look sure. out for, try to maybe pick things up a little bit quicker than I did. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's one thing that I'm a lot of prep coaches. I'm surprised so many prep coaches are that successful doing online coaching with just you know, manipulating supplements and, and food when they're not in the gym helping people, because that's when I'm most successful. Anybody have ever been able to really uh, just watch over their training, how their execution is that matters to me along with diet the most. Hmm. And everything else is sort of an afterthought, you know, uh, just because the more you can con control that, the more you can maximize those variables. And if you can, like I've taken people who've had decent legs and they've grown ridiculous quads. Same thing with like even when I was helping Rachel, I mean, her physique just completely transformed because there were things that, you know, she'd get frustrated having to go backwards a step, but it would take her forward two or three steps. Yeah. And it was just nutty to see her change and, and how her body felt like she did. Um, she did the Daytona pro. And when she walked on stage, we just knew like there's no one's touching her. And I saw her the morning of, and I hadn't seen her in maybe two or three weeks. And I, I tried not to crack a smile, but I thought whoever shows up, I mean, somebody spectacular is going to have to come in and beat you. But that wasn't two years before that. I mean, that took a long time the whole year to, to again properly train properly eat and i mean i can't tell you how many hours we spent correcting things and it, it turned out way better than what it should have and i could never have done that uh just typing words on a keyboard you know so a lot of this stuff is is glossed over a lot and i think a lot of people are missing the boat now, of course, I'm going to defend online training, but I will make I will agree with you 100 percent. Yeah, no, I know. But I'm just teasing you. But the one thing that I will always admit have always admitted is the instruction of of exercise and mechanics and and in-depth discussions in the moment with training and uh, as far as technique, really one on one, it, it it just can't be beat. It's incredibly difficult to get that same type of discussion or that same type of in-depth uh, instruction when you're not standing right next to them. Uh, posing is another one. Posing is very difficult too, because it's so much easier to just touch someone and move some versus trying to explain it. Yep. So I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. All right, guys, we got a couple questions here, training related. So I figured it'd be a good time. We could, uh, toss these up thoughts. Uh, this is from Devin. He's got a physique critique. We're going to do it another point here. Uh, he says, uh, thoughts on growing into a show, uh, what allows some people to grow through a prep versus just leaning out? We'd love to hear your thoughts on pers and perspectives on that. 
Well, I just, from the critique standpoint, um, the guy on the right is much bigger. So, Devin, you're going to have to start eating more. Talk to your prep coach because <laughs> he probably doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> but I'm going to leave this one a little bit more to you guys because he's paying me already. So, <laughs> Devin, get all the free information you can from the other three. Go for it. <laughs> Who wants to go? Andrew? Uh, sorry, say the question again. <laughs> I keep Gro laughing at Skip. I keep forgetting what the – just put it up one more time. Okay, was it grow, grow, yeah, Can you grow yeah, into the show? Is that basically what just growing into the show. Why is it that some people can actually okay. make progress versus other people right. just lean out? First and foremost, why people grow into the show is that they start taking every detail seriously during the prep. Hmm. Like, and I'm talking – and I think I'm probably guilty of it. Like I take less of my supplements, like my health supplements in the off season. I mean, I cruise mostly year round, but I take, you know, if, if it's nighttime, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to get up and go and take, you know, my liver and my, my extra fish oil and all that stuff. So it comes down to the details during prep. Darn right. Even if I'm already in bed, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go take that stuff. Uh, meals are always calculated and measured and weighed and taken at the exact times they need to be taken. Water intake is taken, uh, is, is gone up. And people are attacking their training because they have that fear of 16 weeks from now, I'm getting on stage pretty much naked to be judged by other people. And that's a real uh, fear for people to give everything they have. So I think the main driver of this is intensity and, um, and just 100% focus on that goal. Mm -hmm. And I don't even have to attack the science of it because the science goes with it. I just think they're putting more of a mindfulness to their prep and to their training, to their nutrition, to their cardio, their supplements, everything. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. The urgency people have with that, it, it, it kicks in a little bit. So, you know, once you hit, whether you're a 16-week guy, a 20-week guy, for some reason, and I'm the kind of the same way where everything before that, um, I'm not half-hearted, but I see 16 weeks in the calendar and it's time to go. Yep. And also growing into a show, the, you have to include the context of where are you at uh, drug-wise, where are you at food-wise, training-wise. So if you've been pushing in the off season and your drugs are a little high and then you transition into an off or into a pre-contest phase, if your drugs are still high, you might be the guy that's a little soft coming in and to come down. Um, I tend not to do that. I like to take a big long break before any contest prep, maybe six to eight weeks at a true TRT. And then I kind of hop on and that allows me the luxury of gaining muscle and losing fat at the same time because I'm firing on all cylinders, whereas before it was all training and diet. So you, you've got your superchargers in place that kind of do some work for you as you're getting more serious. So all of those variables light on fire at the same time. I don't have much to add to this conversation. I just want to note that I have one cat that goes out of the frame, changes his fur, and comes back into the frame. So it appears like I have a lot of cats in the background. Five. He's got five. He's got five. Six. Six. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. you yeah. Everybody thought I smashed my. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> thought I smashed my thumb with something. And it's actually a, the my when I get my manicure or pedicure, she had cats on her hand. I'm like, can you do that for me? <laughs> like, oh yeah. Like oh, I've been showing it off all week. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I add one more thing to that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We know you're going to answer, Scott. Go no, ahead. I was just going to say I agreed, man. That you know. I, I think I grew into my early shows, especially too, because my my body weight was still lighter and I was still newer, you know, to, to, to the whole fact of growing. I think that the more experienced you are, 
And the more muscle you have, the likelihood, you know, the closer you are to your potential, really, I think the less likely you're going to actually put on a lot of muscle going into a show, you know, if, but if you were a small guy, like, like I would say a middleweight, you know, has a lot more room to put on muscle than a super heavy and that you, you, your potential may be higher, especially if you've only been training for a few years. So I, you know, I just, just a thought, I don't know. What are you going to say? I'll disagree. I will, I'll disagree with the middleweight versus super heavyweight thing a little bit because if you're a tall, lanky guy like me, oh, you, yeah. you've always got room to grow. You know. Okay. I mean? <laughs> well, when I'm thinking super heavy, I meant like, you know. I know. Like not, a bona fide super heavy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a good one? Yeah. Devin oh, has uh, heard me say this, but the listeners haven't. So I just want to say real quick that I think insulin sensitivity plays a part too because when you tighten your diet up and your calories are still high, coming into a prep, especially if your off season has kind of been, I don't want to say wonky, but you're not locked in with your diet. Like you probably should be, you become more insulin sensitive and there is a phase, <clears throat> excuse me, that you can progress and, and grow, you know, at that 16, depending on when you start, I I'm a 20 week prep guy. So 16, 15, 14, 13 down until you get down into the 12 week, week range, there can be some pretty good growth. And when I say good growth, it may not be so dramatic that you're like, Oh my God, I'm growing, but there actually is progress and you're picking up strength. All, all other things being equal. Sure. Obviously if you start gear and you haven't been on gear, you're, you're going to help to grow too. But that insulin sensitivity, you guys hear, hear me talk about it. the listeners say, I, cause I, bring it up all the time. Cause I think it's very, very important, but that's a factor as well. When you finally lock your diet in when you may not have had it locked in before. Yeah. It, there's, there's so many factors. Cause now I'm thinking too, like, uh, there's a girl I'm working with Alexis. If you're watching this, shout out to you. She, she never trained for physique sports before she was a college athlete. She played soccer and, um, one of her friends was one of my clients who, who is, she's done really well in bikini. And she was like, Hey, I want to, I want to, you know, try this out, do what Cara did. And so, you know, I, I was like, Hey, listen, you know, if we start early, we can grow some muscle into this thing. So she's never trained like a bodybuilder. We're shooting for like about a six month prep is what we're looking at. You know, natural girl, she's already in decent shape. And instead of just going in and doing like, you know, a bunch of sets of squats, now we're working in their, her whole physique, you know, and we're trying to build some muscle in the process. And she's never eaten on a on a bodybuilding plan before. So now she's getting protein five times a day. So, you know, someone like that, I feel like she's definitely got a chance to to grow something, it, especially in those earlier, the earlier part. You know, I think, I don't know, you guys tell me, I think that the longer a prep is, the more of an opportunity you have to grow versus if you're going to do a real short prep and you just crash that thing in. You know, mm -hmm. calories are going to be so low so fast that your opportunity to gain muscle is going to be less. Oh, yeah. Can't disagree with that. Sure. Mm -hmm. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, what about, okay, Ryan asks us, or Billy Ryan. He says, uh, what's up, fellas? How do you guys feel about utilizing giant sets that Milos frequently uses with his athletes? I recently programmed a few rounds for delts and lats at the end of my training session just to try it out what are your thoughts then has everyone seen some of the milo sets mm -hmm. oh yeah like uh, i remember i was watching a video maybe two months ago near the olympia when uh he was putting reagan through a leg day and like 
I don't know if you guys saw that one. I was, my mind was just blown. Like it, it was so intense that like the only weight that uh, Reagan could use on the hack squat when they got to it was like a 25 pound plate. I think one 25 pound plate. And then on one of the uh, safety squat machines, it was like maybe 145 on one side or something like that. I, I've never done that myself personally. I've giant sets, but not to the extent that Milos, you know, I feel like these sets go on and they're like 10 or 12 or 15 minutes long even. And, and then you rest for three or four minutes and you do another round of it. Um, have you guys ever done anything as intense as that? Intensity wise, I mean, it's always high, but I, the context of what he does is always related to how he feeds his clients, the mm. insulin and the frequency at which they train. Cause I think he's even said he often trains what twice a day, six days a week with his people. You figure when does he use his insulin before and after? So he's purposely trying to, to use insulin and carbohydrates to shove nutrients, you know, into the bloodstream, into the muscle. So he's using those training sessions as opportunities to use that more efficiently. And I don't think everybody understands <clears throat> that but people are going to mimic it and they're eating three, 400 grams of carbs in a day when they don't understand that Regan Grimes might be eating 800 to a thousand grams and they're all perfectly executed and timed. This kid has nothing better to do than to sit around, recover and train with Milos. So it looks cool and I'm sure it works fantastically well and we could all pull it off if we live that lifestyle, but it's not applicable to anybody else. Hmm. Um, that last part is important because you yeah. just said we could do that. You might be able to freak boy, but I can't. <laughs> I could just, I'll tell you right now that it's just so to me, look, Milos is a, I have to preface my comment or my response with this little disclaimer. Milos knows his shit. I don't want to go up against Milos to sound like I'm banging, you know, uh, talking down on him or being disrespectful. Cause that's not at all what I'm doing. But <laughs> I want to say so <laughs> instead of but the us mere mortals, if we train like that, I'm not a gifted, I'm not Regan, I'm not that type of Milos works with those gifted, genetically predisposed people who may well respond to things. I'm gonna overtrain and feel like dog shit in like three weeks. I mean, I'm I'm the type of trainer that I couldn't do even in my prime. The rest pause sets on DC would tear me up. I could only go to failure because I would be overtrained in like three weeks. And mm -hmm. I, I was doing shit right. I mean, I was recovering. I just didn't have very good recovery like the rest of the world does. So I think that the average person is average because their recovery, there are many variables, but their recovery isn't that good it's not good enough it would basically just be too intense and and completely fucking backfire and i think that it is incredibly over the top you know what it reminds me of i don't know if you guys remember this i'm dating myself with this reference but uh biogenics yeah cyber it went to cybergenics later you guys might know uh, cybergenics, biogenics yeah. is even older they had to rebrand it because they went bankrupt or fucked everything up it, yeah. you you did giant sets you drank warm water you had to and i mean <laughs> i got three workouts in i'm like i am gonna die i was a teenager i'm like i can't do this like i just fucking cannot do this that is just so extreme that i question the ability for for other than i would say 95 percent of people to recover from that that's that's rough 
I think he's also gone on record saying that, yeah, you see the, the film of the giant sets, but you didn't see the heavy sets prior to that. Hmm. And oh, okay. how does tissue grow the most? Well, you stimulate the, the largest, thickest fibers. So we all know damn well that giant sets with tons of repetitions are not going to build the thickest fibers for muscle growth. So mm -hmm. he's combining the two. But again, I think it leverages heavily on, uh, you know, uh, overfeeding and over insulin insulining people so that that method of training can work okay. uh, and, and without that nobody would even if you had great genetics you wouldn't make it through and nobody's seeing I, the other the rest of the protocol on the video they're seeing the giant sets yeah i, I <laughs> yeah. can say I've, i don't know if i've ever seen milos put someone through let's call it a traditional you know workout where you're pushing the you know heavy eight to ten rep sets so I, I didn't even take that into account i figured his workouts when he does that with something athlete i figured maybe he does more of a traditional workout on one day and then maybe like three days later with those same tissues does the milos workout but i could be completely wrong that was just my assumption i guess yeah, yeah. i think we're just seeing a you know a piece of the puzzle yeah, not, not the boring, not the boring part with straight sets to failure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like everybody else, the rest of us yeah. with good technique and yeah, yeah, right. All right, let's see what this one is. Uh, Alfonso, wow, a lot of lot of text here it covers our whole screen. Uh, how do you feel about a full body three times a week program focused exclusively on compound movements, hitting each body part three times a week for a total of fifteen to twenty sets? per body part spread over those three days. Um, what type of results could you expect for an intermediate? He says he's 5'7", 165, 10%, so he's pretty lean. Um, with off days spent rowing, skiing, uh, bike, seven to eight miles, not looking to gain serious mass, but five pounds uh, over the course of the next year while maintaining the body fat would be nice. And he's 44, and uh, he's on TRT as well. Can I start I out by being incredibly unprofessional and just say, I don't know if the guy's gay or straight, but if I wasn't straight, I'd probably want to fuck that guy. Yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good He's a very handsome man. Holy shit. Very well put together. But you can get away with it because it's another guy. If it was a girl and you said that. Then... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. There's your double standard. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to start off with what we talked about last, uh, last show. Yeah. What we talked about last show with. Like I think we all agreed that a good year uh, with serious bodybuilding, tra bodybuilding training, eating, all the other stuff that goes into it is five to seven pounds of uh, lean tissue for the average person. So I think he might be overshooting his mark a little bit on what he can expect unless maybe he's just, uh, just jumping on TRT and he hasn't been training before. But from the looks of him, as Skip pointed out, he, he looks like he's already in good shape. He looks like he's in good condition. He's got a nice tan, better than Skip's even. And uh, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, For yeah. Sure. So I, I I would say that I think he might be overshooting his mark on what he can expect. I think he with that programming, he can expect to maintain a good physique, meaning, you know, uh, maybe keeping the same muscle mass that he has, and you know, uh, staying in good condition or even losing some body fat. I just don't. I wouldn't be expecting to put on a lot of muscle. And that's not to say that I would be against three days of training, uh, three days of full body training. But I think like the cross training that he's doing, um, yeah. there's just a lot of different variables there. And I think as Dave's pointed out, like he stepped away from bodybuilding for a while to focus on jujitsu. And then when he wanted to do bodybuilding more, he had to focus more on bodybuilding goals. I think if, if you really want to put on tissue for most of us, we really got to put bodybuilding in the forefront and kind of move away from some of these other activities. But 
maybe you guys feel different. Well, I think again, I'm going to date this, this entire podcast is about me dating myself. So Mike Menser, uh, Menser, I'm sorry. Um, had a very similar three day a week, full body thing where basically you went all out on one set for each muscle group. And to us now that sounds, you know, kind of basic rudimentary. Oh, that's for a beginner, that sort of thing. Um, but I use that on two occasions throughout the years for due to injuries and other things that were going on. And I'll just say that I, I was kind of impressed that it worked as well as it did. It's also very good if you're on, if you have limited time, because if you're not sure what your, your schedule is going to be and you happen to miss a workout where you have split your body over four days then trying to make up that workout is more of a, and anxiety than just skipping a full body work and catching it up the next day and you kind of stay on the rotation and maybe you don't know the days you're going to train because of your job or your work or your kids or whatever else. It actually worked incredibly well. It doesn't tend to work as I've had a handful of clients use it in the last couple of years too uh, for brief periods of time. It doesn't work very well for the older demographic and I can say that because I'm in that demographic because there tends to take more warming up. Like Dave was saying earlier, I mean, there's sometimes where I'll train legs and it takes me is the equal amount of time to warm them up as it does to train them. When you're older, you can't just warm up. There will be more warm ups that will eat up more time versus if you're younger, you're, you're kind of still made of rubber and you can get away with less warming up. So the full body sessions I think are actually good. And I think they're underrated in our current bodybuilding like almost like we have to complicate it more that's outdated that's antiquated that sort of thing but if you need to change your pace and you have time issues or time crunch full body workouts can can be very very productive for a short period of time i think bodybuilders get stuck in the uh, the mode of not wanting to change things so i can even bring that back to our original topic of uh why don't people want to improve their form because they've maybe made so much progress up to a certain point that they, they're fearful of a change that it could make them take a step backwards, interrupt what, you know, oh, I've got a show in a year. It's working so far. I don't want to risk a new idea, you know, uh, getting in the way of my future goals. And coming back to our, the current topic, I did Scott Stevenson's fortitude training, and he does train everything about three times a week. I mean, it was four days, but... I mean, I was hitting legs three days a week and how it's done is just as important. So yeah. can you squat three days a week? No, the overall body fatigue is going to mangle you. You know, Scott broke it up into loading days, pumping days, volume days where you're not quite reaching full intensity, but you're getting the reps in, choosing exercises based on, you know, if you're training quads, is it uh a leg extension or a full body squat movement that matters a lot in how you schedule your week out so it can totally be done i don't think you're going to get the best results in the world doing three days a week but there's no reason you can't be jacked and get even more jacked if you have the right strategy in play um a lot of that how it's scheduled is going to matter so context i think yeah yeah, I can see that. I, I, I got to go back to what uh, you said initially, Andrew, about like the rest of everything else he's doing. I remember um, I recently worked with a guy, shout out to Matt if you're watching, who he said, hey, all right, I, you know, we, we've dieted together this time. 
working with you. I want to grow my legs as big as I possibly can. He said, but I have a caveat. I also have a bet with a friend that I can't, he, he thinks I can't run X amount of miles uh, by the end of the year. So he's like, I also want to run. I also want to also want to do a lot of a lot of distance running, and uh, you know, it, it was taking up a lot of his time. And we had to have a conversation about that because it's like, what are your goals, you know? And and I think you're right, man, Andrew. That it takes a lot to grow muscle, especially for a guy in his forties, you know, TRT or not. And that if you really, really want to grow muscle, then, you know, maybe maybe you got to look at your priorities and just I mean, I'm not saying you couldn't do that while doing other things like Dave, you did jujitsu and trained and you you progressed. But I don't know. I don't know if if that's how I would go into things. I don't know if I would purposefully set things up like that with the intentions of making the most progress I possibly could. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just sounded like too many great goals all wrapped into like one program where as maybe like my advice would be spend the next year or two focus on the muscle building that you want to do and then learn how to keep the tissue with your nutrition and then focus on some of these other activities that you're interested in as well. Yeah, I think there's good and I think there's optimal. And I have always yeah. said, get rid of friends who want you to do stupid shit like run long distance. Yeah. Days. Yeah. Drink a lot, you know, things that don't feed into your selfish narcissistic goals. Get rid of them. Bigger please. quads. Always go with the quads. <laughs> right. Cycling, maybe, because your quads could get bigger doing shit like that. But running, ooh, that's a that's a how, how much was the bet? Oh, I can't remember. But it was it was in the triple digits. It was like at least, you know, hundred dollars maybe. Oh, I'll guess. Five, it was five hundred dollars. Here's a hundred dollars. I'd go pay someone a hundred dollars to get out of a running test. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No shit. I no mean, if someone was like, Hey, I bet you couldn't run five miles and whatever for ten thousand dollars, you better believe I'll focus on it and yeah. I'll put bodybuilding yeah, away for a few weeks. Five miles. Yeah. So I'll figure it out. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? But but if for a hundred bucks shit, like no. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can all agree ten thousand is a lot of fucking gear. I'd well, run, <laughs> I'd run hard for that. For that, I wouldn't have any room in my refrigerator for food. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, my, I bring this up because, uh, like, fifteen years ago, my brother lived with me, and uh, he was into running. And he said he didn't think I could do it. Well, he does, and I'm like, listen, dude, if I train for it, I can do it. And so he's like, all right, but you can't run a marathon. And I'm like, well, what would it be worth to you? And and we both settled on ten thousand dollars, and oh, shit. Oh, I was shit. I was prepared to take that year off from training and learn how to do a marathon, and I was going to hire a coach. So he figured out like how like in like he saw me on the computer like typing in like coaches for running and and figuring out shoes and all that crap. He's like, "Oh, you're really serious about this, huh?" And I'm like, "Yeah." I was like, "You want to back out now? I'll give you the chance." And yeah. he did. So, <laughs> which thankfully I didn't have to like lose twenty pounds of tissue to to, to win. Well, not grand. only that, but the coach the coach's fees was roughly ten thousand a year anyway. So it would have yeah, been right. a wash. Breaking even, you know? <laughs> exactly. Waste well, a year coach, running and then go on. You coach runners too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that expensive. <laughs> all right listen let's close this thing out uh you know I, I i hope like i said i hope if anything that we at least, you know we at least get people thinking a little bit about training and and maybe maybe somebody could fast forward that progress just a little bit i guess let me ask you this dave if if there was one thing you could go back to tell that former 20 year old you know in your 20s self now 
that would have helped you jump ahead in your training? You know, if you could go back and do that today, what would have been the advice you would you would give to yourself? Probably to ask better questions and not just nod my head and move forward all the time. Huh. That's that everything I do now. I need a why. And even when I was working with Scott Stevenson, it felt like every time I had a question for him, he would answer me by asking me three questions and it would sort of, I would answer it myself. Hmm. Um, I didn't do that a lot when I was younger. It was monkey see monkey do this work for that guy. I'm going to do it. This work for this guy. I'm going to do it. But then I never understood why I wasn't making any progress, why I was hitting walls. I wouldn't listen to people that were older and wiser. So, you know, there is an Indiana state judge. His name is Tim McGuire. He's the guy that got in my ear young that I didn't listen to that in retrospect, I should have. And it's stuff like that probably should have been more open to new ideas, uh, good and bad and use my, my intelligence to decipher what's good and what's bad, what's smart, what's stupid and why, you know, do your research because I didn't do much of it. I just listened to successful people, which you can get pretty far doing, but sometimes you have to understand why those people were successful doing that and why you may not be. So yeah. I guess overall build your knowledge base and keep your ears open. Not that you have to accept everybody's knowledge, but listen to people as if they know something that you may not. Yeah. If I can sum it up that way, it's, you know, listen to have a conversation with somebody that, you may not necessarily agree with, but if you can collect one piece of information to use as a piece of your puzzle, it might be that valuable to have that conversation. Right on. That's a good point. I don't know if it's even, I mean, knowledge obviously is vitally important, but I think if, if I was going to go back and I'm thinking about it while you're answering, I'm like, damn, knowledge of course is important, but I, I would have wanted to be more insightful, resourceful and process things better. Um, and you said, uh, similar to what I'm thinking of, just this is what you do, so go and do it. And when you're young and you don't have that knowledge, you just assume you don't have anything else to go on. So when, especially when you don't have the Internet and you don't have anything but fucking muscle magazines. But anyway, that being more insightful and being able to process. So even people listening who are new to, you know, training and nutrition and, and that sort of thing. Knowledge is awesome, but you can get a you can get a long way. You can progress very well if you're able to accurately and honestly assess your own or basically your own feedback of how you're progressing. If you're not progressing, why you're not ask yourself a lot mm. of questions, be honest with yourself because too many people sit there and we hear it from newbies. We hear it from people who've been in the game for years and years. They're in their best condition ever. This is the best. I've, this is the strongest. I've, this is the best. And it's not. You look and you go, you're not. So there's the component of being honest with yourself when you're assessing your physique, your strength, your progress, how you're recovering, everything. Yeah, all your decisions, basically. There, even there's a young guy that I work with now. A few months back, he asked me, you know, I noticed all the pros that I see do this exercise. Why don't you have it scheduled in my training? Because I think that if I did this exercise, I'd have better results. And that turned into like a half an hour long phone conversation where I had to talk him off a ledge, basically explaining why. And at the end, I, I could see that there was uh, there was hope because mm. he understood completely. Mm. And at the beginning, he thought that I was just protecting him too much or, you know, had my own personal reasons. But 
once he agreed with the logic of it, he didn't have that experience or, or uh, you know, the insight to make that decision. And afterwards, now he thinks the idea is silly. So yeah. it's just stuff like that, that I wish I had somebody when I was younger in my ear. Dante was fantastic, but, you know, this kid lives local and I can coach him and be his shadow, you know? Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> so, hey, uh, do you coach online? Is there? Would you like yeah. people to be able to reach out to you? Sure, if they want. Mm-hmm. How do they? Yeah, I, I don't take everybody though. It's it's depending on if the relationship's going to work. Yeah. I have a full time job, so if I'm training somebody, I have to be really into it to help them. How do they reach out to you if they if you want if they wanted to you know message? My Instagram's great, Musclehead H E D. Cool. So we'll have that in the show notes. We'll also have bodyberry.com. You can reach out to Mr. Barry there. Teamskip.com. You can reach out to Skip there. McNally Diets at Gmail. That's me. And uh, of course, once again, guys, we appreciate you know, all of your support for our programming, uh, comments, likes, shares, all that stuff. It helps to boost us up in the algorithm. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, we have several programs coming out each week. We'd love to have you along for all of them. Uh, and thank you to our Patreon people. You guys are freaking awesome. Thanks to truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK and supplementsource.ca. Dave, we appreciate you taking the time to come on. And Andrew and Skip, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dave.